Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want to do a recap just real quickly um, because I'm preaching a message um, today. I'm preaching on prayer today. And uh, how many believe in the power of prayer? Come on, how many... I am I'm one of those people uh, who believes in the power of prayer. I don't believe in just token prayers. I don't believe in just saying a prayer because it sounds nice or because it's just what we do in church. I believe that when we pray, things happen. I believe that when we pray, hell hears our prayers and heaven hears our prayers. I believe that God, what God wants to do in and through our church is going to happen through prayer. And I think something as a church is right across, you know, it's an exciting thing that the church, I think, is, is probably more relevant today and, and has packaged itself in such a relevance um, and packaged itself in such a way that I think it connects with, with lost people more than ever before, which is an awesome thing. It's an exciting thing as we've gotten better at communicating and better at music and better at buildings and, and lights and, 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 and the presentation of church, I think, right across the world is probably the best it's ever been. How many would agree with that? I think the church is doing an incredible job. But I think in doing all of that, there are a few fundamental principles that as we connect, attempt to connect with people that are unchurched and, 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 and in, in, in making our presentation better and better and slicker and slicker, there are some fundamental principles that I believe within the kingdom of God that we cannot lose hold of. And one of those is just raw prayer. Just believing that God can show up. And two people are pumped about that. But believing that God can, can show up and do something radical. Because how many know that as great as our stage might get and as pretty as our lights might be, that's not going to change people. But when people come into our services, they come in carrying real issues and real hurts and going through real challenges. And we need a powerful God to show up in our life and do something in us that transforms us. And He does it through prayer. How many people can attest to the power of prayer to transform situations? Some of you know a little bit about you know, my upbringing and that, but I grew up in a praying house. I grew up with a mum that doesn't know how to pray quietly. I grew up in a house that when it was mum's prayer time, it didn't mean it was going to be a quiet, little, meek, little, mild experience. It means that the, the whole block was going to shake, you know. I grew up in, in, in an atmosphere and an environment where I was able to experience firsthand the power of prayer alive and well in a home. And, and I grew up seeing that. And one of the things that that has really stirred my heart as, as I've been going through and just looking at this. There were some things that kept jumping out to me in Scripture. And, and as I shared, if you were here this morning, I touched on it. But I just want to recap a little bit that right throughout Scripture, if you look at all of the different instances or majority of the time when people prayed in Scripture, it actually says that they took a particular physical posture Whenever they prayed, we know different postures that perhaps people use today might be bowing your head or in the Bible, there'd be stories of people getting on their knee. Or if you were real crazy, people would actually lay out face down on the ground before God. There are examples where people would pray and they would raise two hands to heaven. There is examples when when Jesus often the way Jesus prayed, the Bible says that he looked to the heavens 
And what I want to do today is I want to talk a little bit and I want you to hear me because I don't want you to think I'm saying something that I'm actually not. I'm not just talking. I'm not talking about us having to have a physical posture necessarily when we pray. But what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the postures of our heart when we pray. Does that make sense? Because each time we see someone taking a particular physical posture in the Bible when they prayed, often what that was doing was reflecting not just what they were doing in the natural, but it was an overflow of a state of somebody's heart. And I went through some of these this morning. And for those of you that weren't here, I just want to recap it real quickly before I keep going with the other different postures and that of a praying heart. But the first thing that I talked about was bowing our head. Throughout Scripture, we talk about it a lot. But throughout Scripture, there's many instances of where people, when they would pray, that they would bow their head. It's something that we do in church today. And that speaks to us, I believe, of having a heart of gratitude. In many cultures today, in those cultures, even still today, that when someone bows their head, it's a sign of saying thank you. It's a sign of gratitude. And I believe it's an important principle when we come to pray and spend time with God that we come with a heart that has a heart of gratitude and thankfulness to God before we ask Him for anything. I think it's a powerful thing. I know for my own life and I was sharing this morning how powerful it helps, how much power it gives me when it comes to my own prayer life that I always begin by thanking God for the things that He has done. Thanking God for what He's done in my past. Thanking God for what He set me free from. Thanking God for the provision. Yes, we have things that we want God to still do. But I think we've got to be, before we ask for anything, have a heart of gratitude before God. The other thing we talked about real, quick, real, real quickly was the posture, which this is an interesting one, but the posture of, of someone sitting when they pray again, as throughout the Bible. And if you want to hear it more, you can get the podcast. But throughout the Bible, there is different postures where people would actually sit. And what this represents when a king would sit on his throne, what it demonstrated, it demonstrated when a king would sit down on his throne, it meant that he was demonstrating that he had an understanding of who he was and what his position was. And this speaks to us, I believe, of when we come to pray and we have that posture in our heart that is seated, then we recognise who we are as sons or daughters of God, that when we pray that we have the ability that's been given to us, we have the authority rather to call down heaven on earth over our life and our situation because of who we are through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that because of Jesus, we are seated with Him in the heavenly realms. The other things I'm recapping, so don't, don't I disappear yet. But the other thing that, that, as I referred to before, the other posture is the posture in prayer of looking to heaven. Looking to heaven, Jesus, we heard about it a lot when Jesus was on the earth. It says that in, in when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane that he lifted his eyes to heaven. It says again in John when he came to pray before the tomb of Lazarus, it said that he looked, he lifted his eyes to heaven. There are many verses. The Bible also says in Psalms that we look to the hills where our help comes from. When I believe the posture of lifting our eyes to heaven, again, it's a posture of our, of our heart. 
But when we lift the eyes of our heart to heaven, when we pray, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that He is the only one that can move in our life and in our situation. We're acknowledging that we're facing something that we cannot do on our own. We're acknowledging that you're the one that's going to come and do this. You're the one that's going to stand before me. You're the one that's going to come and, and fight my battles. And lastly, on the, on the recap, the last thing that we looked at this morning was the posture, again, in, in the Bible is found many times. It's the same posture that Moses used when he was praying over Egypt and delivering the Israelites from, from the Egyptian um, stronghold. It says that Moses lifted his hands in prayer. And that speaks to us as a sign of surrender. It's surrendering a situation to God. It's saying, God, I need you to come and do a work here. It's saying, God, I commit this whole situation to you. I'm going to surrender this situation to you. It's something that we have to make sure that we have a, an understanding of what it is that we're praying. When we're praying it, the, the, the way it's going to shift in our life is when we make a decision to surrender it to God. And as you go through the Bible, You'll find that, again, there's many different postures. I found seven, um, but you might find more or whatever. And if you do, that's awesome. But what I want to do is I want to look at another posture that was in the Bible that's familiar to us. And it's the posture the Bible talks about of leaning down, of kneeling down on our knees when we pray. What I believe that this talks to us, we know there's a familiar verse in Philippians 2 verse 9. It says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and those in earth and of uh, those in heaven and those and of those on the earth and those under the earth. When we take the posture in our heart, again it's a heart posture. It may be a physical thing that you do, but more importantly, it's a state of our heart that has knees bowed before God. And what this does is this acknowledges, it's acknowledging God's Lordship in our lives. When we pray and we come before God, we have to come from this state of heart that acknowledges that He is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords. That whatever God wants to do in our life, we are completely surrendered to God's Lordship in our lives. When we understand that, we come to God with this heart posture of complete and utter Lordship. In Luke 22 verse 41 it's an interesting prayer that, that Jesus prayed and it says, and he, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw again. This is another time in, in, garden of, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says that he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is an incredible example of even Jesus himself acknowledging God's Lordship. Understand that in this prayer, what is happening is Jesus is battling. He's actually battling his own flesh in this moment. What's happening is Jesus is actually saying, God, I don't want to do this. That's what he means when he said, let this cup pass from me. If there's another way we can do this, this is moments before Jesus goes to the cross. This is a, a battle between his spirit. And his flesh. Have you ever been in those battles where there's a battle of spirit and flesh? You know what you, you need to do, but then you're battling what you want to do. You know what your spirit wants, but then you're battling what your flesh wants to do. That's one of those moments where it, it requires a, a, 
a heart that is knelt before God saying, you know what, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I don't own my life. It may be that I want to do some things, but as Paul said, I die to myself daily. So I don't own my life. Whatever you want to do in this situation, you're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. And that's the state of my heart as I come to you and pray. I say, Lord, do whatever it is that you want to do. We see this at work in Jesus as He prays this incredible prayer. It's a powerful thing when we release God's Lordship over a situation. The same thing happened, another example, in Daniel 6 verse 10 that says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward heaven, it says he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as well was his custom since early days. If we know, you know the story of Daniel, this is moments after the king has set the decree that says if anyone prays, they're going to be put in the, in the lion's den. And look at this situation. Look at what Daniel is facing here in this situation. What a, what a circumstance to declare God's lordship. He could have fussed. The great thing, the thing that I love about Daniel and the whole story of Daniel is not once. Daniel was hard done by. Daniel was getting ripped off by the king at the time. Daniel was being falsely, it was a setup. That's what it was. Daniel had done nothing wrong. Not once do you hear Daniel pleading his case. All the way through to the lion's den. I mean, you would think at the very last, just before they threw him in the lions, he'd be like pleading his case. He'd be freaking out. He'd be trying to put forth an argument. But you don't see that in Daniel at all. Daniel demonstrates an understanding of God as being his Lord. That's why it's so important in the Bible. It says that we need to confess him not just as Saviour, but as Lord. There's a lot of people that want to, they're willing to accept Jesus as Saviour, but struggle to accept Him as Lord. Lordship is a powerful thing when it comes to our prayer life. And it's demonstrated when we have that heart that is completely surrendered to Him. Again, in 1 Kings verse 18, 18 verse 42, speaking of the story of Elijah, when Elijah was praying for rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and then he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees and said to the servant, Go up, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. And we know the story, Pastor Jensen preached on it a few weeks back about a cloud coming the size, the shape of a man's hand. But this is again a situation. Elijah is in this situation where he doesn't know what to do. He can't orchestrate things in the natural. He can't make things happen. Sometimes we get to these, we go through these circumstances in our lives in the natural where it's hard and in the natural it's difficult and we push and, and we fuss and we try and work it out. They're the moments where we need to get on our knees in prayer as, as the posture of our heart and declare God that you are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords and you are Lord over this situation. I'm not going to try and do this anymore. I'm not going to try and battle this anymore in the flesh. This is where I'm acknowledging you as Lord over this situation. It's a posture of our, of our heart. The next one that I want to look at is an interesting posture again. It's the posture in prayer of actually standing. 
Now, initially, when we think of standing in prayer, we think of something as not being, it's not as reverent as, as on your knees. Again, I'm talking about states, the state of your heart. But what I believe standing, having a heart that is, 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 is positioned in, in a stance, in standing in prayer, is I think that to me, when I was looking at it, that, that demonstrated to me a heart that understands that that's a moment where it's time for action. That's a moment where it's time to actually fight in the Spirit. How many know that sometimes that there are moments where we have to declare God's Lordship? There are moments where we have to surrender, but then there are moments in the Spirit where we have to actually stand in the Spirit and we actually have to take a stand in the Spirit. And that has to be the position or the posture of our heart where we say, devil, enough is enough. I'm prayed on my knees, but now I'm getting up off my knees and I'm standing here and I'm going to declare some things over my life and over my family. And even when I was preparing that, I felt like God speak to me about some people here in this church and you've been battling and you've been trying and you've been pleading and you've been doing everything that you possibly can and you've been fasting. But I believe God is saying to you in your spirit now that it's time for you to actually stand and know what it is to fight in the spirit. We got to be people that know what it is to fight in the spirit. In Romans 5, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into grace, in which we into his grace, this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope, in, in hope of glory of the glory of God. When we understand who we are as sons or daughters, we know what it is to stand and fight in the Spirit. I love the story of Elijah. And you know the story, we've read it before, where Elijah escapes Jezebel. And Elijah's freaking out and, and Elijah's under the pump and he's intimidated and he goes and the Bible says he sat under a tree and he prayed with God that he would die and he's over and he's finished. But then God speaks to him and you can go ahead and look at it in 1 Kings, I think it is 1 Kings 19, 11 and God speaks to him and it says that Elijah stood and God spoke to him and gave him specific instructions. But the first thing that God says to Elijah is now I want you to stand. Elijah went to this moment where he was under the tree and he was up against things and he was freaking out from, from Queen Jezebel and, and the decree that had gone out over his life and she'd said that she wanted to kill him and he was moping and he was, and he was, and he was under this tree and he'd had enough ready to pack it in. But God speaks to him and said, Elijah, it's time for you to take a stand. And I believe for us as a church, this is something that we need to be reminded of when it comes to our prayer life. There's times when we, when we seek the Lord. Yes, there's times when we intercede and there's times when we, when we come before God and when we kneel down before God. But then there are times in the Spirit where we have to understand what it is to take a stand. If you're a man here and you're the covering of your home, take a stand over your home. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes people confuse that with peacemakers and peacekeepers. Sometimes we have men in their home that they just want to keep the peace. They just want to do whatever it is that we've got to do to just make sure there's no arguments. Make sure I just want to keep peace. I want to just keep, 
keep things nice. Doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. It says blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes in order to make peace, you've got to take a stand in your home and say enough is enough. This is what we stand for. This is what we don't stand for. This is what's going to go on. This is what's not going to go on in our home. It's knowing what it is to take a stand in the Spirit. I remember growing up, as I shared earlier, I grew up in a home where where prayer was such a big focus. We learned to default to prayer constantly. But I grew up looking and watching my dad, who was always someone that made a decision whenever it needed to be made to stand in the Spirit and say, this is what we're going to do right now. There were times when it, it, it's almost like he was, there was enough, enough was enough. There was, you have to get to that stage in the spirit where the enemy seems to, you ever go through those seasons where the enemy's coming this way and, and coming that way and, and coming that way and you feel like, but there's got to come a moment where you say, you know what? Enough is enough. There's got to come a moment where there's a righteous, there's a righteous anger that stirs up in your heart and stirs up in your spirit and say, you know what, devil, I'm done with the garbage that you're dishing out over me and over my family and over my life. I've battled these generational curses too long. I've been up against this in my life too long. I've been battling this sickness too long. And there's a time where you get up off your knees and you take a stand and you look at the devil and you say, enough is enough. I'm going to war with hell right now. I'm going to do it through prayer. It's knowing what it is to stand, to stand in prayer. In Second Chronicles verse 20, there's an awesome story. And I saw it just, just earlier today, but it's an awesome story of where King Jehoshaphat, it says that he's given, he's coming up against, he's coming up against the armies and, and he's under the pump and, and God actually spoke with him and God gave him some instructions. I want to just turn there real quickly. I hadn't had it there in my notes. I just wrote it down real quickly. But it's an awesome story in, in 2 Chronicles verse 20. And it talks about God giving them. It says that what happens is in the story, it says, So Judah gathered together to ask for help from the Lord. They were coming under attack. And in verse 4, it says, So they asked for help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Verse 5, it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God, our Father, are you not God in heaven? Look at what he's doing is he's actually, he's standing before. This is a moment where Jehoshaphat is not standing before the enemy yet. He's actually standing before God. And he stands before God and said, God, are you not bigger than this battle? I actually like the way he, sometimes I think God wants us to be real with God. Sometimes I think God likes it when we put a demand upon God and we say, God, are you not bigger than this battle I'm facing right now? God, are you not bigger than this giant I'm up against? It's putting a demand because when you put a demand on God, you show and you continue to put a demand on God. You show that you have an understanding that it's only God that can actually do it in that moment. You stand before God and say, I'm not going to draw from anything else for strength right now. I'm not going to draw from anyone else to try and help me. You're the only one that can do it. Are you not God? Are you not bigger than this battle? And you put a demand upon God to show up in your situation. This is what Jehoshaphat does. But then look, it says further down, it says in verse 17, when God starts to speak to him and God starts to give him, give him, a, a, a download to him a strategy. Look at this, it says, 
you will not, in verse 17, uh, 20 verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. I, I read that earlier and that stirred my spirit. God spoke to him because he was willing to take a stand and put a demand on God. God stepped in and said, you know what? I've got this fight for you. All I need you to do is just stand in front of your enemy, stand there with strength, stand there with confidence, stand there with security, stand there with faith, put a demand on heaven and you're not gonna have to fight it for you. You're not gonna have to fight it for yourself. I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna do the job for you. There's something powerful when a Christian makes a decision to stand in prayer. Sometimes we've got to make this decision. You know what? Enough is enough. Some of you have been battling the same things enough constantly, constantly over and over. It's a position of the heart in prayer that says, you know what? I'm going to stand. I'm going to take a stand for my family. I'm going to take a stand for my high school and take a stand for my college. I was blessed this week. Well, last week we went to Australia. We, we travelled over there. We, we celebrated. We actually went and surprised my dad for his birthday. And, uh, and so we, we flew over there, Cresta and I. And, uh, and I, I got a, uh, prior to going there, I got, a, uh, I got an email um, from a kid, um, from a kid in a school. And uh, in, in, it was actually, it's actually my old high school. And I got an email, this is a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and he was a high school kid there. He, he was a, a, a year 12 kid and senior in the school. And he said, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a, lunchtime, a lunchtime prayer program in my school and we have an assembly. He said, would you come and, and would you share something and would you, would you preach? And, uh, and I said that, you know, I'd love to. And, and, uh, and it was awesome because I remember I went there. This is my old high school. Like I was not the kid that, that tried to save his high school. You know, I know that's incredibly difficult for you to understand. I, I was the kid that was making it hard for the kid that was trying to save their high school. And so I remember I went back to school. And I went back to that school and, and, I, and I walked in there and, and I hadn't thought of it and, and, until, until when I was just there. But I, I walked into the school and... And I went into this room and, and, and there was probably 50 senior, think about this. I mean, this is, and this is in, in Australia, which is a very secular culture. I mean, the whole prayer in schools, we never had prayer in schools. That was never going to be a thing in Australia. I walked into a classroom, there's probably 50 senior high school boys in this classroom. And I was confused, like I walked in there thinking like, have I got, this is at lunchtime. I'm like, do you guys not know that you don't have to be in this classroom? Like, go kick a football. Like, what are you doing? And, and I said to this kid, I said, bro, what, like, what are these kids here for? Like, he said, I do this once a week on Friday lunchtime. We do this. I said, these are all like your, your buddies and stuff. And he said, yeah. I said, what do you do? And he said, we come together and pray for the school. I said, are you serious? And then God spoke to me. And I remember it must have been 10 years ago and I hadn't thought of this until I was in that room. God spoke to me when I first took over at Planet Shakers Church where I was on staff and, and I'd taken over the high school outreach programs that we wanted to start getting up and getting, getting running. And I remember over 10 years ago going to my old high school because God spoke to me. One of the things that I battled when I was given that position was the fact that that like what I said, I wasn't that good Christian kid at school. 
And I said, God, God, why would you choose me now to go into schools and, and see kids saved and see programs start up in schools? Like, that's crazy because I was getting kicked out of schools when I was at school and it was just crazy. And, and God spoke to me about taking, taking territory back. He said, take, take land back. The enemy, the enemy had, had an influence in my life when I was a kid, but he said, I'm putting you on those high schools to take territory back. And so I went, one of the first schools that I went to was my old high school. And I drove there, I remember I drove there late at night and they had like a boom gate there. And so I just parked off to the side of the road and it's dark at night. And I remember it was one of the first schools that I went to. And I remember going, this is, must have been 10, 12 years ago. And I remember going on to that school and I remember standing on the oval, on, on the football field of that school. And I remember declaring the name of Jesus over that school. There was no, we had no programs. We couldn't get into that school. We couldn't get a Bible study going. We couldn't get to preach in there. There was no outreach going there. The school was shut down to, to, to God being allowed to do work in the school. But I remember standing on that oval and declaring Jesus and saying, God, would you open up this school? God, would you do a work? And I didn't think of it until last week when I walk into that school and now I'm standing in a lunch in a lunchtime, in a classroom where there's 50 senior boys coming together to pray for their school. And God reminded me and said, remember when you took a stand 10 years ago on an oval and called down the Name of Jesus Christ. Church, I wanna encourage you tonight. Something happens when you make a decision that you're gonna take a stand in the Spirit and you call down heaven over your life and over your situation. It blessed my heart and, and I shared with these kids. And man, it was, it was crazy. I mean, these were like, you would have like, Jake, I mean, there's this 50 senior dudes. Like, I mean, these are not like nerdy Bible kids, you know. These are, these are like the sports stars. These are like the leaders of the school. And I'm talking with them. And at the end, we had like a question time. And, and the, the kid that was running the thing said, you know, does anyone want to ask questions? And one of the kids it's like one of the leaders in the school, captain of the teams and that. And he said, this was his question. He says, how do we get a revival in our school? It stirred my heart. Because God reminded me. God reminded me of years ago as, as, as a discouraged dude in ministry that I didn't know what I was doing. But God said, go to that oval. And stand. And I'm going to that oval feeling like just a punk, you know, not knowing much about the Bible and not knowing much about ministry, not even, not even knowing much about how to pray. But I stood. And it was something I was doing, something just in the natural. But how many know there was something happening on a greater level than the natural? When I stood there in the natural, just like God said to Joshua, everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And in that moment, it didn't feel like much was happening. But the moment I put my foot on that oval, what happened is it opens the floodgates of heaven to start doing a work in that school. Church, I want to encourage you and I want to stir your heart. It's time for some of you to take a stand in your home. I dare you to get up when everyone else is asleep and walk in your living room around your unsaved families asleep and take a stand in that living room. I dare you. 
during your work, get into the lunchroom in your workplace and take a stand. Go out to this, some of these shopping malls and go out to the spectrum and get into the middle of Fashion Island while you're walking around shopping. Say, you know what? I'm taking Fashion Island for Jesus Christ. I'm taking Orange County for Jesus Christ. What do we need to see Orange County turned around? Church, we just need some people that know what it is to just take a stand. Take a stand in the Spirit. I want you to get this in your heart everywhere you go this week. Listen, I'm telling you, we could do this. We could do this. I might not be able to get everywhere, but I think between us, we could cover some territory. You hear what I'm saying? We could get everywhere you say, God, I'm I'm taking this. I'm taking this workplace. I'm taking this high school. I'm taking this campus. I'm taking this shopping mall. I'm taking this beach. Come on, we need Jesus lifted up in Orange County. And it's going to happen when the church of Jesus Christ say enough is enough. I'm taking a stand. Give God some praise if you believe He can do it. He's taking a stand for Jesus. I felt that in my heart. Did you feel that? Me too. I wasn't going to preach that. It's good though. It gets me going. I got one more. You got one more in you? Are we all good? What time do we? We got all night, Pastor Jabin said. I got one more. Pastor Jabin said, I've got all night. Caressa said, I've got two minutes. Which one do you reckon I should go with? All the women in the house said, two minutes. Keyboard better come. It's going to be a quick two minutes. The last thing. The last thing is, is, is very powerful. I could preach on it for all day, but my wife gave me two minutes. The last thing is, is when people would lay out The Bible calls it being prostrate before God. I was talking to Cressa about my message last night and uh, we're sitting on the couch and I said, I'm talking about being prostrate before God. And she's like, what? She said, that doesn't mean what you think it means here. And I I said, no, prostrate, not prostate. (laughs) All those men over 50 said, hey. (laughs) God, come back. It was powerful in here like two minutes ago. Everyone was. What it means is it's a state. It talks about it in the Bible. It's a state, represents a state of the heart. What it is, is they would lay out flat on the ground with their face to the ground before God. In prayer. And what I believe that that represents to us, it's a state of complete brokenness and repentance before God. In my life, some of the most powerful prayers I've ever prayed have been just quite simply prayers of just complete repentance. And we can pray, you know, like what we just did about going for God and advancing the kingdom and changing the world and believing for breakthrough. But I want to tell you, church, to be honest, as I thought about this more and more, I thought some of my 
most powerful moments with God in the presence of God came when there were just prayers of simple repentance, saying, God, I messed up. God, forgive me of attitudes. Forgive me of actions. God, get rid of my pride, God. And not, not in a religious way, but allowing the Holy Spirit to come and bring a conviction in my heart of, of complete brokenness. David knew what it was like to pray a prayer of repentance. And I think as, as, as the church and with all of the great successes we have as people and with the territory we take and, and, and the momentum we build in our Christian walk, we can't allow ourselves to get so prideful that we stray away from what it is to just come before God and say, God, God, forgive me. Forgive me for that attitude as, as a leader. God, forgive me for trying to control at times or manipulate people at times. God, forgive me for settling. I'm telling you, one of the most powerful things we can do as a church and one of the most powerful prayers that we can possibly pray is a prayer of complete brokenness before God. This is God, I, I, I need you. God, I got, I got nothing without you. And with everything I've achieved and everything that I've done, if you don't show up again afresh in my life today, I can't do it on my own. I'm telling you, something powerful will happen when a church, even like that, with all of the success and all of the things that we do well, if we can come together as a church and say, God, we don't know it all. With all of the great things that we have and, and the great new stages, and we, there's going to be screens here. This place is going to look amazing. But let's not let our successes stop us from being broken before God. And being laid out before God saying, Lord, with everything we have, we just need your touch. We just need your presence right across this room. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.